to read from Genesis for us. The reading today is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. You can find this on page 3 of the Church Bible. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. That was a great reading, and as Ben comes, I'd I'd like to just pray with him. Lord God, thank you for the words you've laid on uh, Ben's heart, and as we hear his message this morning, would we hear you more clearly through the words that come out of his mouth, and would we think more uh, sensitively about how we proceed in response to those words? Amen. 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 Well, it's lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm part of the team here at St. John's. And uh, at the moment, we are going through a series uh, on our journey to Easter. And we're going through this book, Yes to Life, or Saying Yes to Life, by, written by a lady called Dr. Ruth Laverio. And um, it's the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby's recommended book for, for churches and small groups to journey through to Easter. And um, she uses the opening week of creation um, as a bit of a platform to help us think about how we respond to the issue of climate change, uh, which is a very present, real issue in our culture at the moment. How do we respond to the issue of climate change as followers of Jesus? But we also use that um, first week of creation and pick up some of its rich themes to think about uh, how we step more into our discipleship of Jesus. And, um, you know, one of the things that we see throughout the creation story, one of the things that we learn about God is that he's always doing something new. He's always doing something new. So if I could start with a question this morning, are you ready for a new thing from God? Bit of a warm-up question. But I think it's important to remember when we're reading the creation narrative that Uh, We're reading a a Hebrew poem. Well, that's my take on it. I mean, Christians uh, can interpret Genesis 1 and 2 in different ways, but I think the most helpful way is to see it as a a Hebrew poem. And so we're not kind of reading it as a scientific textbook, asking questions of how the world came into being, but it's more asking those questions of why are we here? Who are we? Who is God? How do I find that sweet spot of fullness of life. These are the, the sort of questions that the opening chapters of Genesis are seeking to answer. And what we learn from this Hebrew poem, or one of the things that we see, 
is that God is a God who brings order out of chaos. And he brings life where there was no life before, out of things that are empty. We see that in the passage that we had read to us this morning as we looked at day three of creation, where we're told that the world at that time is essentially all sea. And in the Bible, sea is a symbol of chaos. It's a symbol of destruction. But from that sea, we're told that God created land. And he saw that the land was good. And there's a sense that he's getting excited as, his, as he is creating. And as he makes the land, he then goes on to make the beautiful things that we see in the natural world around us, plants and trees and fruits and grass and mountains and beaches and savannas. It's a picture of the abundance of this world that we call home. God is in the business of bringing abundant life. And one of the things that I really want us to get this morning is that this is the work of the Holy Spirit This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't just something that popped up in the New Testament around the ministry of Jesus. But there, at the beginning of creation, the beginning of time, we're told the Spirit hovered over the waters. We're told that the world was formless. It was dark. And from that mesh of nothingness, God created life. And he created the beauty of the world in which we see around us. And the Spirit does that in our lives today, too. The Spirit can take things in our lives that feel like chaos, that feel like a bit of a mess. And maybe that will relate to us in different ways. Maybe as a society at the moment, it all feels a bit chaotic with what's going on with the coronavirus. And people saying they're going to the supermarkets, they can't find anything. And there's a lot of panic, isn't there, around but God is a God who brings order and peace. And God is the one, the Spirit is the one who comes into our lives. And as we welcome the Spirit, he brings new things from what was empty. And sometimes we might go through periods of life where we just feel like we're going through the emotions, that we're existing but not really living. And the Spirit is the one who comes and brings that that feeling of being truly alive. And the thing to remember as we read the creation stories, we're not just reading something that happened millions of years ago in the past, but we're reading about a God who does that same thing today. It's not just that he created once, but that he is the creator today. The Spirit of God brings order out of chaos. He brings new things. Again and again in the scriptures we see this phrase of God. He he tells his people, behold, I'm doing a new thing doing a new thing. On um, Tuesdays, um, I have the privilege of meeting with interns from churches in the local area in West London, and um, we have a discipleship year student, a new wine discipleship year student here at St. John's Miriam, who is brilliant and um, works with some of the children and youth and does worship. She does so much here. She's great. But um, uh, a Tuesday a while back, I took a group of those out to Ealing Broadway to, to do some prayer on the streets. And uh, we went out in pairs. We did a little bit of training beforehand. We prayed. We went out in pairs. And we just approached people and said, look, we're on a prayer walk. Is there anything that we could pray for? 
And we were amazed at the openness of people who, who longed to actually have God be invited into their lives, who longed to receive prayer. Sometimes we think of um, the, our society as being hostile to faith, but I don't think that's true at all. I think people are really hungry. God is on the move in this country. And um, I went out with this uh, one guy, and we, we went up to this gentleman at the bus stop at Ealing Broadway, and uh, we said, look, is there anything that we can pray for? And um, he was waiting for his bus, but he said, actually, yes, there is. So I've experienced four bereavements in the last little while, in the last few weeks or months, and I'm finding that really hard. I'd love for you to pray for me. And his bus came along, and he said, um, it's fine. Um, I can wait. I don't have to get on that. I'd rather, rather chat to you and receive prayer. And so we talked to him about what was going on in his life. And there in Eating Border, we laid a hand on him. We prayed that the Spirit of God would fill him. And in that moment of grief and anxiety, that he would know God's peace and God's hope. We met an, another gentleman we approached about, around about Ealing Green. And um, we said, is there anything we could pray for? And he said, yes, actually, I'm about to meet my daughter she suffers from anxiety. A few years ago, she was sexually abused. Life is really difficult. I'd love for you to pray for me. And we had the privilege of praying into that family's life as well. God's Spirit is a God who, God's Spirit is one that brings life and order and peace. And He is the same God that we read in Genesis, is the same God who does that today in our lives. But the question is, are we willing to wait on the Spirit of God to do that within us? Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of being part of an Alpha Away Day, and um, I just love doing that. It's, we kind of set it up, and we went away to Chorley Wood, we took this Alpha group, and you kind of do a few talks around the Holy Spirit, and you go for a walk, we have some nice food together. But the, the real moment is when we invite God's Spirit to come. And um, it's always a moment that keeps me on my toes because it's not, it's not something that I can control. I just have to pray and wait. But what I've found is that when we ask for the Spirit to come, He always comes. And it was amazing to see the Spirit at work in people's lives, bringing healing from past hurts, meeting people in a real deep place. There was a lot of healthy emotion on show. That's what the Spirit does. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we willing? Are we willing for the Spirit who brings new things to bring change in our lives? Because sometimes, you don't need me to tell you that we, we kind of like things how they are, and actually change can be difficult to get hold of. Uh, before I, I worked for the church, I um, worked at Lord's Cricket Ground in London, which is a kind of a famous old cricket ground, probably one of the oldest cricket grounds in the world. And there were people there who were known as lifers because they'd worked there their whole life. And as the organization tried to modernize and we tried to, to bring in things like e-tickets and become more web-based, unsurprisingly, they didn't particularly like it. They liked the old way of doing things, of pen and paper and ink and millions and millions of files, it seems. They were a bit resistant to the change that the organization was trying to bring. And we can all be like that. Um, can't we? Are we ready to position ourselves for the work of the Spirit in our lives? Are we willing to position ourselves uh, 
for the change that he might want to bring. The Bible says that God's Spirit brings new attitudes to our lives. We see in Galatians 5, for example, the Apostle Paul speaks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I wonder out of those fruits which you'd like to see birthed more in your life. For me, when I look at that list, it's got to be patience. Uh, I just lament how impatient I can be, particularly driving in London. I don't know if you can relate to this at all. Um, The other week I was driving back from South London with my family. We'd had a lovely evening um, at my mother-in-law's house. So I should have been in like a nice relaxed place. But we had that moment where where we were driving and we came face to face with a taxi. And there was only room for one car to get through. And you've got this thing about who's going to back down first. And so we kind of just sat there for a little while, kind of eyeballing each other, saying, I'm not going to back down. And then I realized I was probably nearer the end of the road, so I probably should do that. So I started to reverse, and this taxi driver was getting more and more uh, aggressive as he was coming uh, towards me. And um, I was reversing back. I eventually reversed onto the other road to let him go. But I could sense this anger welling up within me. I was thinking, where does this come from? And I had to use every ounce of strength that I had not to say something uh, inappropriate to him. My wife was shouting at me at the time, saying, don't wind down the window and shout at him. Uh, Fortunately, I managed not to do that, but I can get so impatient, not just just with driving, actually, but also with people in my life, people in my life, loved ones, uh, colleagues. There's an impatience, and I want to see that, that fruit of patience grow. I wonder for you where you'd like to see a fruit of the Spirit grow in your life, to see the Spirit do something new within you. Uh, the Bible says the, the Spirit wants to give us new gifts so that we might love one another better uh, as a way of building up our church community, but also so that we be, might be effective in sharing the good news of Jesus with our local community. The gift of the prophetic, for example, being able to see into someone's life and speak God's truth into someone's life, or the gift of healing, or the gift of hospitality, or the gift of boldness. Which of the gifts of the Holy Spirit would you like to ask for? Would you like to see in your life? The Bible says the Spirit wants to give us new hearts. New hearts. You know, sometimes our hearts can feel dry, can't they? We go through things in life which mean our hearts become hard. And that can be a difficult place to be. Sometimes we, in our heads, we want to love others and we want to love God, which is essentially what the message of Jesus was, but we don't feel like we've got the desire to do that. But Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, gets this word from the Lord that that God is going to take our hearts of stone and when the Spirit comes, he'll give us hearts of flesh, he'll give us new desires and the capacity to love others and to love God and a new passion for the things of the kingdom. We see the Spirit brings new life, whether that's in physical healing. And um, I love to pray for that today. If anyone is looking for a physical healing, then we're going to have a chance to, to pray for that today. But also, inner healing. The Spirit brings new life within us, where life has felt like we're kind of going through the motions and uh, just a bit flat. The Spirit brings new energy. 
The Spirit is always doing something new. The trick is keeping up with him. And you know, in day three, we get a, a sense of just how much God loves to create. Not that just he created once, but he's continuing to create. We know that. But here we, we get this picture. I like to see God as a master painter. And he, he begins his work and he, he starts off and he, he makes kind of like the, the sky and the water. And then he, he finds the green um, paint and he starts making land and he's getting more and more excited. He makes the universe that we see and he's making this universe for beauty's sake. It's not a functional world that we live in, isn't it? It's an incredibly beautiful, abundant, rich world. You can imagine as he starts to paint the sky and the seas, he creates the land, the fruit and the plants that emerge, the different colors that we see around us. I don't know about you, but it's so good, isn't it, to get out into creation, enjoy the beauty of the world, the, the world that God said was good. We join with him and say, yes, this is good. I was on a, a train ride to um, Yorkshire uh, on Monday for a conference, and it was one of those beautiful, sunny, wintry mornings. Uh, and I had a, a window seat, a coffee in hand, and it was just amazing to be able to look out on the beautiful English countryside, the rolling hills, the trees, the, the um, gentle rivers as they went by. It was just such a treat. It was so life-giving. I wonder for you if you have a, a favorite place of natural beauty. One of the, the places we visit often, uh, my family, is Kew Gardens. It's not a lot to look at at the moment because it's winter, but in the summer we go there a lot and we see plants from around the world. I'm just reminded it's not a boring world that we live in, and it points to the fact that God is not a, a boring God. It's a world that is rich and abundant. Psalm 48 is uh, a picture of creation praising God. And I love that idea that, that as God looks over the world that he's made and he delights in it, it's kind of like a reverb and, the, and creation sings back praise to God. Psalm 148 says, Praise the Lord from the heavens, the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, that everything created give praise to the Lord. You creatures of the ocean depths, the fire, the hell, the snow, the clouds, the wind, the weather, the mountains and hills. It goes on, let all of them praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. And you know, as we look around the world that we are in, it tells us actually something about who God is. There was a, a thinker a while ago, a guy called Andrew Murray, not the tennis player, but a theologian, and uh, he would say that he'd go out for walks in the natural world and he would look at something and ask the question, what does that tell me about God? And so he might go for a walk along a coastal path and he'd see these great boulders with the waves crashing against them, but these rocks that have been there for thousands of years. And then he'd start to thank God for his faithfulness and his permanence. And he'd be reminded of that. And then he might look down and see a beautiful little flower and its intricate beauty, and it might remind him that God is the God who sees the one, who knows exactly what's going on in our lives. Maybe that's something that we could take up this Easter, this spring, as the, the natural world uh, comes into its fullness. What does it tell us about who God is? Because, you know, one of the 
dangers that Christians have got into in the past is to forget the refrain that runs through this poem, that God saw what he made and it was good. There's a danger that we think that God is only interested in spiritual stuff, but actually physical stuff is, is not really his thing. But that's not true at all. That kind of thinking doesn't come from the scriptures. It comes actually more from kind of Greek philosophy. We see in the Bible that God is a God who is interested and loves the natural world. As one writer put it, matter matters to God. Paul speaks in Colossians, Colossians 1.20, that when Jesus died on the cross, he reconciled the world to himself. Not just human beings, but the whole world. The whole of creation was reconciled. And his resurrection is a resurrection for the whole world. That as we look at the hope that we have in Revelation, it says that all things are going to be made new one day. Sometimes we think of heaven as kind of disembodied souls, somewhere else. But that's not the hope that we have. We have a hope of this world being made new without any brokenness or pain. But we know, don't we, that actually as a race, generally as human beings, we've not cared for this world as we might do. We've not partnered with God in stewarding it, this world that he calls good. Whether that's deforestation in the Amazon rainforest, in order to create space for cattle farms to fuel our demand for meat, or whether that's a natural habitat that we've destroyed in order to fuel our desire for yet more oil. Uh, I recently heard a, a podcast, they're talking about uh, Antarctica, and there are loads of interested parties at the moment in Antarctica. Some um, companies want to get there for oil, others for tourism, but there's just a, a sense, a plea, that we might leave it alone so that it can play its role in balancing temperatures and ecosystems and things like that that our planet so dearly needs. And so it's clear that as we think of this issue of climate change, really central to our faith is that we love and care for the world that God has made and includes this, the earth. And I'm not going to give you a list of things that we can do. We're all on our own journey with this, but just two things that our family do very simply. We try to avoid buying products with palm oil because we know that has a huge impact with deforestation. And we buy loo roll from a company called Who Gives a Crap, which uses recycled paper and comes in wrapped paper, not plastic. And so we know that that is a little bit better for the environment. But we'll all be on our own journey. We'll have our own ideas with this. It could be toilet twinning. Uh, there's lots of schemes out there for planting trees. And so the internet is a helpful tool to research what we could do to love our world better. But as I come into land, I want to leave us with a verse from Isaiah 43, which speaks of a God who wants to do new things. And as we hear it, we might think, well, what new thing do we want the Spirit to come and do in our lives? What new thing might the Spirit come and do in our church, in our neighborhood, in the streets in which we live, in our workplaces, where we spend day-to-day -day life. Isaiah 43, 19, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. God says, I'm doing a new thing. 
We'll all have areas of our lives that can feel a little bit like a mess or chaos. Things that are going on in our networks, our workplaces, our families. Where do we see God? Where do we long to see God bring restoration and order? Where do we long for God to see abundant life? So I'm going to invite us to stand and we're going to welcome afresh the Spirit of God this morning and wait upon him that he might come and recreate us. The Bible says that when we ask, we will receive. And we can ask with our words, of course, but we also ask with our bodies and our body language. So I just invite you just to hold out a hand in front of you. You might find it helpful to close your eyes, just remove this distraction. And we say, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.